I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment, the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head. I could do my own internal, like, yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears. I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as The Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and a nourishing and healing postpartum. I offer holistic birth preparation and postpartum online courses worldwide for the conscious mama wanting to prepare emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually for her birth and for her postpartum. And if you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. If you had a natural and empowering birth experience that you would like to share with the world, then you can email me at anna_the_spiritual_midwife at gmail.com and maybe your story will be featured on the Natural Birth Podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Kim. Kim is a mother of one from St. Lucia, now living in Brighton, UK. She's a space holder for mothers, holding mama circles, breathwork, womb healing and coaching for women. Today, we are going to dive into her home birth story and how being in Brighton, made that decision even easier as home birth is very well supported in this area of the UK. Curious about Kim? Find her on Instagram as Sacred Woman. Hi Kimberly and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be talking about my my own birth, which was Oh gosh, like so much better than I could have imagined. Oh, great. Brilliant. I love that. So let's dive straight in. I can't wait to hear about your home birth in the UK. Yeah. So I had a little girl about two years ago now, um, well, June, 2018. So, and when I found out I was pregnant, actually, I'll start right at the beginning. Um, when I found out I was pregnant, I I'm based in Brighton and Brighton is known within the UK for having an above average home birth like percentage. Mm. It is, I think, three or four times the the national average. So I was in a really supportive place to even contemplate home birth. 
So I remember going to the midwife and kind of saying like, okay, you know, I'm, I've kind of thought about the birth, but not really. Cause I think when you're in your first trimester, it's not really, um, something that you are fully focused on. And I started to think about it and I thought, you know, everything that I started reading and everything that I started consuming showed how much safer home birth was. And so I, as I was saying to you before we went live, one of the things I did was I wanted to have a birth on my own terms. And what that meant for me was that I needed to start deprogramming myself. So looking at what people and society was telling me what home birth should be like, or what birth in general should be like, you know, Mm. and some of this kind of started to open my eyes when I did my calm birth meditation teacher training only, I think it was only like three or four months before I actually got pregnant. And so I know it was, it was a weird, it's a weird kind of story that I kind of subconsciously chose to do something like that. Um, And so what I started to really realize in a lot of the manuals that I read for that course was that basically the impact of having a really medicalized birth actually puts you at more risk. And a lot of the research that I was kind of looking at was saying, you know, and it was, it's basically based in the US. So it was saying, despite the US being, you know, this first world country, it having one of the highest maternal and infant mortality rates in the world. Yeah. For me, that was like, that was mind boggling. Yeah. Like it was really, I kind of sat there and was like, so medicalized births don't mean that we're any safer. Mm-mm. So that for me was like a huge light bulb moment. I was like, oh my God. Absolutely. When you take something natural and normal and start fiddling with it, that's when you can cause trouble. And that is happening very in very high rates in the US and also around the world. Um, there is always a time and place for medicalization when there's a high risk reason, but when there's a normal and natural low risk mama low risk baby there's no need to meddle with that at all nature knows best nature is wise yeah and I think when I started reading all of this I realized that I was like oh my gosh so I started reading things like um the positive birth book and you know doing the positive birth company hypnobirthing so everything I started kind of looking at around birth was positive, mm. right? <laughs> I was very much focused on this idea of let's reframe how I've ever thought about birth, of how the movies portray it, of, you know, a woman on her back screaming in agony or your water's breaking and the baby coming in 10 minutes, you know? It, <laughs> it just I just started to really watch what I was consuming. Um, you know, I used to watch One Born Every Minute, which is a huge thing in the UK here, you know, this show that shows birth. It's a TV show. Of course mm. they're going to dramatize it. So mm. these were the kind of things that I was watching and not realizing how subconsciously they were affecting my view of birth. Yeah. So I cut them all out. Mm. I cut everything out. If I was watching a movie and the woman was on her back screaming, giving birth, I changed it over. I was very clear with my partner about this, about what kind of stuff I wanted to consume uh, that really started to prep me for that natural home birth. Brilliant. It's the best thing you can do. Yeah. And but this, it, it, 
it's really mind boggling because, you know, I have some, I have various friends and family members who have had their own births, but not wanted to prepare at all for them, have kind of just gone in not having done anything. And to me, I just think I need to understand the stages. This is just how I worked. So, you know, I needed to understand what was happening within my body. I needed to have not an element of control because of course it's uncontrollable in, in many ways, but just be aware of what certain sensations meant. Um, um, what was what was expected. So I started kind of, like I said, doing all this research and I got to the point where the, the midwife was very supportive of whatever choice I was having and said to me, right, Kim, you can have a home birth. You can have whatever kind of birth you want. And I think at that stage I was like, oh, well, no, I want a home birth. But obviously the old conditioning that was there, you know, and like parents and siblings and family going, oh, that's very dangerous. What if something happens, you know, just understandably. But at the same time, I was just like, well, no, I need, I need to kind of do this on my own terms. And the place that I feel safest is not in a hospital room where I've never been in a really scary environment with people coming in and out of the room to examine me, to uh, ask me questions, to be in my sacred space um, while I'm going through this metamorphosis of going from a woman to a mother. So I, I realized that for me, the only way for me to do that was to be at home, to be in my own space, to be in control of my environment. Mm. Um, so we did a number of, again, you know, the Brighton is great because they did like meet and greet, uh, all your questions around home birth. So you would go and they would have like a little session of women who were all different stages of pregnancy to ask questions around home birth from a mother who had had a home birth within the area oh, and brilliant. to midwives. So, so it was really kind of creating that positive, hearing other people's stories. Cause we always had, you know, with birth stories, we always had the most horrible ones, yeah. right? People come up to you. They don't tell you the best ones. They turn around and they go, I had this kind of birth and it was horrible and it was so much trauma. And, mm. you know, Anna, I, I don't think I've told you, but I run it like a, I run a, a mama's group around like different topics that sometimes we don't get the opportunity to be really honest and open about as women, as mothers. And one of the things we talked about recently was birth. And one of the things that one of the women said on the call was, you know, I don't want to talk about my positive birth because I feel like in many ways it detracts someone from the birth they had. It almost feels like I'm boasting. Yes. Oh, I can't even tell you, Kim, how often I hear this. This is one of the reasons I started the Natural Birth Podcast, which is all about empowering positive birth stories. Yeah. Um, and almost every mama that I sit here and interview either on the podcast or before or after when we chat say that and I thank you like I never tell people about my birth story because it's a positive one and I yeah exactly I feel guilty or I feel like I shouldn't take up the, the space someone else should mm. do that. Mm. yeah and it, it's I think that's so damaging because then what are we doing we're just focusing again on the negative right and we're perpetuating and, that fear. 
and also for yeah. the young girls growing up, for the young women growing up. You know, that's all that they hear. And we just continue that fear mongering, which also then increases the medicalization and the giving away of the power because we're afraid. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's such an important topic to kind of be raising because, you know, I had to really search hard for positive birth videos on YouTube or to search for positive birth materials in general. Mm. Um, and I mean, even with the mel- the well-meaning books on birth, there is still that undercurrent of fear. Mm. It's still like an undercurrent of um, exactly what you just said, you know, like giving away this power and not being empowered during this very natural process. Mm. So, yeah, so... I just wanted to, to raise that because I, I find myself doing it as well. I find myself kind of downplaying my birth story because I I don't want to boast. I, it almost is like, well, I had it so easy. So when we kind of got to the point of, because I'm digressing here, <laughs> um, but when we got to the point of getting closer to the birth date, I was very much relaxed about, kind of what I wanted to do. And I said to my partner, right, let's aim for, aim for a water birth. Um, so he had everything ready. He had his practice runs and we got closer and closer to the date. And I actually was able to still walk, you know, six, seven miles up until like my 40th week. So I was 40 weeks and four days, I think, or five days, um, when I had Lena and my waters went at about 10 PM at night. And we'd had a friend the week before who had gone through the exact same thing, but then had to, you know, have all the synthetic drugs put in because the baby hadn't come naturally within the 24 hours. So I think the first point was again, hearing that story and me not going into labor as such, but my water's going and being like, please, please start naturally, please start naturally. And then I kind of put that aside and just knew that my body knew what it was doing and it was doing it the way it needed to do it. And I think even having that faith in yourself can eliminate that fear. And when, I mean, you've talked about this on your podcast, but when that fear comes up, that in itself starts to slow down the labor. It starts to, so I was very aware. I'd done, like I said, I'd done my homework. Mm. Um, (laughs) So I just went with the flow. I went with the flow and my, I had contractions start at about 5 a.m. and get gradually stronger and stronger. And I kept, it did exactly what I, I kind of, I went into a very animalistic zone. I stayed in my very dark room and I rocked back and forth and I did what felt right for my body. What kind of helped me go through each contraction. And it's funny because when the midwife arrived at about 8am, one of the first things she asked me to do was to get on my back so she could examine me. And 
when I was on my back having contractions, it was the most painful. It was, it was horrendous. It was the most painful um, contraction I was having. And so within the time that, you know, before Lena actually was born, I tried to limit the amount of times she needed to actually examine me because it was just so uncomfortable for me to be in that position. And again, I think, you know, as women, when we give away that power and we kind of say to people, yeah, I'm going to get on my back, even though this feels horrible, even though this is really uncomfortable, surely that in, in itself is like our telltale signs from our body that these are not natural birthing positions. Mm. So I spent most of my time on all fours, rocking back and forth on my birthing ball. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There were, there were strong surges. There were, but it's all, it was nothing that I couldn't handle. It was nothing that felt, you know, unmanageable. It was very much a beautiful kind of dance of these kind of pauses with these very strong surges because it is a dance. I mean, when women talk about labor and we talk about having contractions, I think the common misconception is that you are constantly in pain um, when you're not. It's, it's not like that at all. So I was very prepared in that sense of knowing that these dances were going to happen. Something that really surprised me more than anything else was my need to have my partner with me. Um, I am usually fiercely independent, um, <laughs> sometimes to a fault. And having him there was, it was very, it was very primal. It was suddenly like he was my space holder and he was there to protect me and to do all the things that, you know, ancestrally they men did or, and so he became that space holder for me and he was there and he was holding my space and allowing me to kind of go through these waves, mm. which was, yeah, which was amazing. Um, Beautiful. And how, did, have you talked about that after? How did he feel that you needed him like that? And what, what was his experience of that? Do you know what? We actually haven't ever sat down and really spoken about it in a very open way. I have kind of said to him afterwards, you know, it's it's funny that I, I needed you all like that. And, and, and I've kind of downplayed that a little bit. So maybe that's something to definitely revisit because I don't, I think when women go through that transition, it's one thing, but when our birth, when our partners go through that, mm. they can sometimes feel very disconnected. Like they're not part of the birthing process. Or, I think or a lot of men or partners, but um, I see it a lot with men, um, don't know their place. Don't know what to do, yes. or what you need. And so to actually the men that really 
you know, become a part of the birth are the ones that are involved. Either they're sitting just next to the woman, they're massaging or they're talking. There's always yeah. there's been that kind of communication maybe before to for him to whisper things or, you know, have those connected words that he might say or, you know, just reminding her to breathe or that she's doing amazing and that he feels like he has some anchorage, like he can do these things, this is his job, can really um, make a beautiful experience also for him not to feel like he doesn't have a role in that space when the midwife is taking over. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And actually, you know, something that I did prior to this is one of the things I wrote on my um, – my birth plan, because I created three different birth plans, despite, you know, whatever kind of the circumstance was so that we were fully prepared. So I didn't have to then try and go in and explain what I wanted. Um, and we had gone through that together. And so he was very, he was in charge. Yeah. He was in charge. I was there to be in my very primal state. He was in charge of taking care of all of the rest of it. And he did that so well. He really, really did. Um, you know, and actually the, the one or two points at which I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. He was, he heard me and he saw me and he kind of held space for me at that point and said, you know, yes, you can, you can do this. You're almost there. And I think when you have someone who's so supportive and so in control of that situation, it allows you to just be wherever you are. Mm. So that massively, massively helped me along that kind of birthing journey. Yeah. But also, you know, container is everything, everything, yeah. isn't it? For a woman to feel safe because you sense everything when you're birthing you're so highly sensitive even though you're so internal you're also at the same time you sense everything around you and if you then could sense how secure he was and how safe he was and in the space you were in that would really benefit you as far as you know. yeah and i actually don't think that he could have been that way if we had been in a different birthing environment because being at home this was kind of our domain. This was where we felt most comfortable. And actually, you know, talking about the support network, both my mum and the midwife were here. And the midwife very much left us to it. And not in a, in a negative way, you know, she came in and she would check my... Um, vitals and she would check baby and she would do all of those things at the given time and then she would retreat and just leave us to it mm. and my mum did very much the same thing you know my mum actually left the house and went out for a walk and came back and because at that point whatever I thought I would need during the birthing process I thought I would really want my mum and actually it wasn't the case at all. I, I wanted my birth partner. I, and when he left the room, even for a moment, I was having contractions and I couldn't hold his hand. That is the point at which I would panic. Mm. Um, so it was really, it was a really interesting um, experience because everything that I thought I would be like in that very primal state was 
was, wasn't the case. You know, I thought, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to want to be touched. Um, and the thing is, I didn't want to be touched by my birth partner. You know, I didn't want to be touched by my partner. I didn't, I actually would only let the midwife touch me because she would massage, you know, my, my coccyx. Yeah. But she would do it really hard. And I was just, I needed someone who just really knew what they were doing in that moment. Um, so she was very much the one that was massaging and my partner was the one that was holding me. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was definitely different to what I expected it to be. But in general, I think, you know, my birth was so quick in the sense of, you know, like we were talking about, you know, the midwife came at 8am and and when she actually checked me, she said, oh, well, you're only one centimeter dilated. And for me, you know, when we start, oh, when we start talking about centimeters dilated and that just, that just really firstly made me feel really disempowered again because I was like, I'm only Mm. one centimeter dilated oh no I've got hours and hours and out and you see there yeah. comes the stories and there comes the conditioning and yeah. I fell into the thing of and then I and, and that was actually the other point at which I panicked and she was like well look you're gonna have quite a few hours left so I'm gonna maybe go back and I refused to let her leave um I was like you, you can't leave me you, you can't and I think because I was just in a panic stage of what do I do? What do I do? Mm. I didn't want to, once she was there, I didn't want to let her go. (laughs) So, so, um, so she remains and actually, you know, I, I dilated very quickly. Um, by about 11, 30, 12 o'clock, I was almost fully dilated. And I Mm. then at that point was getting in and out of the birth pool Do you want a natural birth mama? Then a natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you like many other women realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready, body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the natural birth course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. And so about 12 o'clock, I got into the birth pool 
and I remained in the birth pool going through wave after wave. And I could, and I, I could feel that this was different. You know, she kept telling me, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. I can, you're, you're sounding very pushy. You're sounding very, um, you know, going into that next stage. And she thought it was progressing very quickly. So at that point, she was trying to say to me, okay, well, why don't you have some gas and air? And I really was trying to do this fully natural. So I was very resistant at first. And then I had one or two and I kind of, it made, I was not very good with that. So I pushed that back and I would just hold it in my mouth as a trying to remember to breathe mm. more than actually use it. And, and it was, she was actually in the kitchen at the point that I could feel Lena's head start to come down the birth canal and then go back up. And, you know, that's slowly massaging down and her head would come down and pop back up. And I think that happened two or three times, at which point I was like, no, I don't know. She's almost there. Not again. She don't go back in. Um, at which point the midwife was still in the kitchen with my mum, And I shouted out to her. I said, well, the head's out. <laughs> and she she came running into the room and just like oh my gosh this happened way like quicker than she had imagined so she was then trying to get the second midwife to because in the UK when yes you have to have get two. to that point you mm. have to have two midwives mm. so so at that point she was calling the next midwife to to kind of come come down to us and we're lucky because we're five minutes from the hospital so that was kind of another factor in you know, otherwise I think I would have got even more resistance from my family. Mm, but having a point, home birth. Mm. Yeah, having a home birth and just if anything was to happen. Um, but again, that's kind of living in a, a fear state, isn't it? You know, that's mm. the what ifs. Well, if we go through our entire life with what if, then we're never going to actually do anything, are we? So, so yeah, so at that point the head had been, I had birthed Lena's head and I knew there was a surreal moment that I knew that the next contraction that I had, she would have left my body. And that for me was a very kind of emotional moment of realizing that, oh my gosh, she's almost here. She is literally almost earth side. She's almost with us. And so with that next contraction, and actually, I have to tell you this because it was such a weird, a weird moment. Because when I had birthed her head, and I was kind of in that between stage and having that that moment of rest, I could feel her moving her head around, trying to look. And I kept saying this to the midwife, and she was like, "No, no, just keep still." She's, but I could feel her. She was looking everywhere. You know, her little head was moving around so much. Um, and then when I had kind of fully birthed her into the pool, it was a moment of panic as I couldn't find her because I was in a very dark room and it was very murky and I was trying to wade <laughs> through this water to find find my baby. Um, and so 
it was this euphoric moment of kind of picking her up and just realizing, oh my God, look what I have done. This is incredible. This is, I don't, there's, for any woman who's been through this process, I don't think there are any words that can describe it because it's a, it's a mixture of so many different emotions. And even talking about it with you, I can feel like all, you know, I can feel tears coming to my eyes. Um, what it is, it's such a mixture of emotions because there's joy and there's, but joy to the point of overwhelm. It just feels so much bigger than you. You, you can feel it in every part of your body and it's just, oh, I mean, the midwife has a picture of me as I am picking her out of the water and it's, it's one of kind of like, look what I've done. Like, oh my God, it's not crying. It's not anything. It's like a, a huge smile of me just smiling away. Like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. And at that point I knew that it had been the right thing for me to be at home to Bertha because I was then able to have those very sacred first moments in the privacy of my home without people coming and going, without, without anyone else but my bubble, mm. especially at those, at those kind of first moments. And so I was, you know, lucky enough to then kind of be able to lie down on the couch and okay, I had a very minor tear, but I was able to lie down on the couch and hold her and be in my home with the things around me that made me feel comfortable. So having, you know, even a cup of tea in my mug and a piece of toast at home that, you know, my mum had done. And so it was just, that was still warm, <laughs> you know? So just all of these very little things that we maybe don't even think about when we go through the birthing process. And actually, you know, in comparison to a lot of my, my friends who had gone down the normal route that were in my NCT class of being in the hospital, one of the things that they said they really wanted to do was get out and they wanted to be at home. Mm. You know, they felt comfortable being in for the bath, but the actual time afterwards of being on a maternity ward with four or five other mothers and newborns, they said was one of the most stressful experiences of their life. So mm -hmm. I felt extremely fortunate that I could be at home and, you know, the, the midwife stayed with me for a couple hours and then they, they left. And I was able to have, you know, a shower at home and put on my pajamas and get in my bed and all of those things we take for granted, but they were so they were so nourishing at that point. Yeah. So yeah, this, I, I mean, I can't recommend home births enough. If I was to ever have any more children, I know that that would be something that I would want to do because the experience of being fully in control within an environment you feel powerful in, but also not even 
but also it's like that moment after birth, which again, you know, we're so focused on birth that we don't mm. think about that recovery time. Absolutely. The postpartum is even bigger than the birth, becoming a mother. And, and then, yeah, the whole shebang after of both healing physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually from the birth process and then the new identity of who am I now and at the same time being fully in charge of this new human being's life and well-being and establishing breastfeeding. It's huge. It's a massive event. Yeah, it, it really is. And I feel so fortunate that I was able to do this in well one at home but also in a part of the UK that is really supportive of home births where you know our midwife came back the next day and it wasn't her shift because she was in the area to make sure that I was breastfeeding properly so 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 many of those space holders for something that is so sacred and I think we've really lost it we've we've really and it makes me upset because we've lost our innate ability to like pass down this knowledge to one another Mm. to be in like a very supportive space of having other women able to teach us Mm. we have gone to a space where we go to doctors to tell us when we could be with other women sharing these stories yeah, and sharing these experiences. And, you know, this is, this is one of the reasons that I also am doing what I'm doing and coaching the women that I'm coaching, because, you know, you talking about this, this shift in us emotionally, physically, spiritually, this new identity was one of the biggest challenges for me it was it was huge I still feel that you know this this evolution of mother is not something that we that we're born into you know when our baby is born a mother is born as well yeah and we I'm wiping away the tears Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and we really miss that you know we live in a modern society now where we suddenly jump into this idea of, okay, I'm a mother now and I have all the gear that makes me a mother and I'm going to the baby classes and I'm doing all the things that mothers do. But at no point do we stop and we sit with other women and we talk about how we're feeling and how that shift is affecting us. And, you know, there's no, it's very baby centric and there is a there is a balance to this and someone I was talking to quite recently said a beautiful thing to me that was you know it's 49% baby and 51% Mm. you Mm. and I think we just focus so much on these beautiful bundles of joy that we have brought into the world that we lose ourselves and sometimes we need a moment to step back and really understand what that means and have the support of other women, whether it's midwives, whether it's doulas, whether it's friends or family or NCT 
you know. So there's so much there that we've really, that goes beyond the actual birth. Absolutely. Yeah, you're so right. And I couldn't agree more how we've lost that in our modern times, in our Western culture. Um, and that's something that me as a midwife really felt um, it pained me to be working in the hospital system, to not have the time, especially postpartum, have the time to be mm -hmm. with women, really sit down with her. More, There were so many medications and so much paperwork that took up so much time and was much more important um, for legal reasons and for the system that I would do than me mm -hmm. actually sit with a woman and listen to her and be with her. And, um, yeah, and, you know, a lot of midwives come from such a beautiful place within of wanting to be with women. That is why they're midwives. And a lot of them suffer just as I did in the system. And we will go to someone's home when there's not our shift or we will put in that extra time. And again, it's not valued in our system. You know, it's what women yeah. do from their hearts. Um, it's not valued enough in our society. And this is something that needs to change. And it is changing because women and men all over the world are speaking up wanting to have more woman-centered care, are speaking up for midwives and to to change the system and that's what needs to happen it can't come from within the system as midwives we can do so very little to change we need women yeah. and you know fathers and mothers the consumer to say enough enough that one in three women have birth trauma enough that one in 20 women have ptsd after birth something needs to change this is not how we want the new generation to be birthed both babies and new mothers we need women and uh, their partners to to be the advocates to change things yeah we really really do and hopefully through the work that you're doing through the work that so many other women are now kind of waking up to we'll get to that point that maybe when our children are grown that they will be in such a more empowered state if they are to ever have their own children because mm. it, it needs to change. It's, we can't be in a world where it's, where it's, you know, a first world country and it's dangerous to birth there. It's just, mm. it's not, we know how to do this. Absolutely. Women have been doing this for centuries. We know we don't yeah. need someone else to tell us. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Our bodies even know. We don't even have to, you know, intellectually. Um, the only reason that you would, you know, need to know things is so that your mind can stop chattering to you. <laughs> Let your body yes. birth your baby. Because yes. <laughs> babies are born with women who are in the comas, you know. Women in coma will birth their babies because their body will do it for them. Yeah. And uh, it's our modern fearful minds that needs to be calmed by understanding the process, understanding the stages, facing yeah. our fears beforehand and so on and so forth so that we can get to that point where we can let go of that mind and enter into the primal birthing body. And actually on that, Anna, is, you know, I am guilty of doing that as well. I did so much research and I read so many books, but when it came down to it, 
I went into a very primal state. And when people talk to me about my birth, it is almost a standing, you know, a moment in time that stands still, but also speeds up. It was a very strange moment. Like the time passed in no normal way. I can't explain it. It was, it felt fast and slow all at the same time. It was a very, there's only one other time I've ever experienced that. And that was, you know, skydiving. So I, it is a very unique space to be in because we go primal, we go inward, we do things and we behave in ways that our body knows regardless of whether we've prepped for it or not, our monkey mind starts, it shuts down because it goes deeper. Mm. Yes. And what can disturb that is if it's not held, the space is not held and there is not that trust in physiology of birth and where you, if you click on to that mind again, because you can, you can mm. hook on to that county, to the monkey mind and start thinking or someone wants to talk to you or reason with you, get you into the yeah. logical mind. And But you are so safeguarded in your birth that you could stay in that optimal. It really was, yeah. Beautiful. So <laughs> if you had a first-time mama in front of you right now about to have mm. her first baby... And she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience. What advice or pearls of wisdom would you give to her? I think my main, main one would be explore what your conditioning around birth is. Explore what limiting beliefs you have. I did so much work around my limiting beliefs and my blocks around birth before I had my daughter because I felt that subconsciously, if I wasn't able to process some of those things, they would limit me in some kind of way. Mm. 100% so true. It's one of my biggest recommendations to all mamas as well. It's one of the biggest things that can hinder you in birthing your babies, the fears that yeah. are unresolved. And we all have them. No yeah. one's, you know, that is human and it's natural and normal to fear birth because it's the unknown. And if you don't look at it, it will surface. Yeah, exactly. It's by pushing it deeper, you know, you give it you give it fuel. You give it fuel because you say, I don't want to acknowledge you. And as a lot of us know, you know, what you resist persists. And the other thing that I need to actually mention as well is that whoever your birth support is, whether that's your partner or your parent or whoever it is, you need to ensure that they are 100% on board with whatever birth plan you have. Um, When we were deciding on home birth, I said to my partner, you need to be a hundred percent on this because if you're not, Mm. we can't have a home birth because you need to hold that space for me. Mm. And if, if I feel that you aren't comfortable at home, that's not going to be the best environment for us. So it was really ensuring that my birth partner was also really happy because I think as, 
as women, we can get very much caught up in what birth we want. But when you need space held for you and the person holding space for you is not on board, it can also be very disempowering for you. Absolutely. And detrimental to your birth process because you'll feel that they are not feeling safe. Yeah. As we just talked about, you know, earlier, you are so highly, highly in tune and sensitive when you're birthing and you'll sense if someone else is fearful or if something's going on, you might not know what it is, but you can sense if something's going on and it's so important. Yes, absolutely. That the people around you, whether you're birthing in a hospital or in a birth center at home, that you choose it wisely and you're practitioners wisely and know you can always change if you feel like it's not the right fit you know be a sovereign woman and change your care provider if you need to if you don't feel like they will hold that safe space for you and don't trust them yeah and I think also it's you know I prepared as best as I could and like I said to you (laughs) even to the point of having three different birth plans of like I love that my home birth plan and this is my plan b and this is my plan c so if I have a cesarean this is what I want doing Mm. I have if I have to go to the hospital this is what I want doing but I also think that you have to also be willing to know that whatever birth you have might not be like that either you have to just be open to maybe birth might not go the way you wanted to go and that's okay as well because Mm. it is it's a wild card isn't it I mean Mm. I say it's a wild card in some cases what I mean I guess is that it's the unknown for us absolutely and sometimes it goes differently to how we expect it to go Mm. and being okay with that being prepared for that in itself needs to also be kind of on our radars I totally agree and I actually spoke to one mama not long ago and she said it so beautifully that don't wing your birth like do really feel empowered throughout your pregnancy and I love that you had three birth plans I think that's brilliant because then you've you know you've done everything you can so when you actually do go into labor and birth then you surrender then you let it go. Then you totally mm-hmm. let go of all kind of control and just go with the flow. But before that happens, before you have that first contraction, you know, your labor starts, do be a sovereign woman and, you know, do take control over um, who's going to be at your birth. Make sure that you optimize your chances of having that, that birth that you want to have. But then when you do go into labor, that is the time where it's time to let go of your mind and go into your body and trust that you will have what you need. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on and chatting with us and sharing your birth wisdom and story with us. Thank you for having me. It's been, a, it's been an honour. Thank you. Mm. Pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please share it. Grade it on iTunes and leave a comment. If you want to connect on social media, you can find me on Facebook as The Spiritual Midwife or on Instagram as The underscore Spiritual underscore Midwife. Thank you for listening.